Welcome to the Reimagine Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life in the community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. Today, on episode 101, we talk with Dr. Diane Langberg about what it looks like to redeem power. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Hey, hey, I would have gone first, but I was just I waiting know. for you. I you saw know? you. I, Making I, sure I'm just a I, proper introduction. Yes. You know, it's really it's first, it opening yeah. the door for me. Yes, I appreciate yes, that. That's right. I, I, I'm going to play doctor for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's rather Uh-oh. interesting. Over 101 yes. episodes, we've just crossed into a new century. Yes. Of yes, recording. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's right. feels like that, right? <laughs> yes. It is rather interesting. I wish uh, yeah. all, our, all our people could just watch. The eye contact that goes between the two of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's going first? When? Going now? Ahead. You? Me? What's well, now it's hello. become a whole thing. Now, <laughs> now it's what we do. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's, yeah. right. So you gotta, that's right. We don't even look over in your direction. No, you got to keep no, it going. No. You're just talking. I am. We'll come in whenever. You're no, just you're looking done. at us you like, go. I hope yeah. you're, you're going to say yeah. something. Yeah. Because the just, music's running out. It is. I have to time it out based on your moods when I see you in the morning. Like, are they tense? Are they laid back? What's going on here? So anyhow, that's my... Analysis of it. Yes. You guys have a pretty good friendship based on your views. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so anyway, 101, yes, uh, we are 101. moving to a new century. <laughs> yes. and, uh, that's right. So that's exciting as well. And looking forward to those shows. But gaming, let's talk about gaming for a moment. Gaming. Oh, like yeah. What kind of gaming? Well, there's a hot game going on right now on your phone, but I want to go back to another game because okay. I, I read this article uh, recently about uh, the grand winner of the Price is Right. Remember when Price, yeah. Well, yeah. Price is Right still hopping? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, still going. Drew Definitely Carey's there is. now. And, yep. and they got day shows and they'll do a nighttime special. But, you know, you always get to spin the wheel to go to the end. Right, right, and, and right. Sure. The showcase, the showcase show. If you get like hundred points or something, is that what it is? Like, or what is it? Closest to hundred. Yeah, closest to hundred. Yeah, that's right. That's yes. right. Yes. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Take over. So okay. So um, when you get to the showcase showdown, like, just answer me real quick. What is it that you're hoping to win in that showcase showdown? Oh, I, I want the trip and the motorcycle. <laughs> I was thinking about the little scooter they used to give away too. All right, what do you want, Brian? Uh, a complete dish set. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the old wheel of fortune where they used to, where they used to pick, pick what you wanted. I'll have the porcelain With doll, the dining please. room set and the uh, and the uh, dining room. You know, yes. Yeah. No, no. You want you want the vacation and yeah. Yeah. the sailboat. Yeah, and, sailboat. Uh, yeah. Oh, I even the sailboat. I remember. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So anyhow, my man from Boston. Yeah. Massachusetts, big winner on the showcase showdown. Yeah. Wants the trip. Wants to go tropical. Where are they going? New Hampshire. <laughs> right next what? door. In Massachusetts. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. He, he went to California. Like walk. Yeah. Won the big drive, prize, yeah. came back, and is going next door to New Hampshire. Wow. <laughs> what would you do? Would you like... No, I'm sorry. I don't want to win. I would take the so cash value the and so what are drive the to New Hampshire. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's right. Take, take the cash value. Yeah. That's right. Do you have to, do you have to go like through... L.A. to go to New uh, that, You know, that may be. Can, do you just so take a little Cessna over? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Oh. But I can imagine walking off like... Oh. This is not a really good yeah. prize. Yeah, I'd be yeah. popping and all so the how do you have to? You have to be like excited that you won because you have to be jumping up and down and dress funny. Yes. Don't you dress up? Yeah, they dress up. No, no, that's... Yeah, that's, that's um, make a deal. Make oh, a make, deal. I'm sorry. Whoa, yeah. okay. I'm wrong yeah. game yeah. show altogether. Yeah. Okay, Price is Right. So. It's on right before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Don't, I haven't watched too many of these in recent years. So, so, okay. so uh, kind of yeah. disappointing for her. So, 
You imagine he's calling somebody and they're like, so how'd it go? He says, well, you know, That's great. good news. <laughs> I won. I won. Yeah. 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 The bad news is, is yeah, it's, no. I'm bringing across the, bu- the street, I'm bringing yeah. the bumper pool table it's home, the, you know, it's the holiday Inn express in New Hampshire. <laughs> Not that New Hampshire is a bad place. It's no, lovely. No, to all no, our listeners. It's, it's no, no, yes. no if, yes. like from here to New Hampshire would be great. Oh, no, I'm all for yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Oh, sure. I'm but all for it. Love to spend time in New Hampshire. Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> So yeah. that leads us into yeah. uh, anybody playing. I'm not even sure how to pronounce it right because I'm not playing it. Uh, yeah. Word, wordly, wordle, wordle, wordle. Oh, <laughs> yes. you're playing. I can you're tell. Playing. <laughs> if you know the name, you're playing. So I see it. I see it everywhere. I I have played a time or two. Um, my children play it, um, which is interesting. But yeah. It's, so what's the, it's what's the process? What are you supposed it, to do? It's kind of like, catch? is it a crossword deal? Do you got to get a certain numbers? What's going on? You've got uh, five letters across and you have like five tries to try and guess what that word is. So you put a word in there and it tells you, it's kind of like a Price is Right game, actually. It tells you, hey, this word is in the right spot or this letter That's is in like the right Wheel spot. Of Fortune, right? And then, well, yeah, two. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey look. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hollywood Vanna Squares right? on? What are we? <laughs> um, so you... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have to guess. And it gives you clues like, hey, this this wor- letter is not in the word. This one's in the word, but it's in the wrong spot. This one's in the right word, letter in the right spot. And you have five tries to try and figure out what in the world this word is. And then you, um, apparently, if you're... On Twitter or Instagram, you're only posting if you get the words and showing your points. Oh, sure. Yeah. You're not, right. They are showing the 50 times they've they they lost. And it's a certain fail. time frame you can do it in. I mean, you can't keep retrying. You got five and that's it. Uh, I don't. The one I did, you could retry because mm. I had to retry <laughs> a few times. <laughs> so are you still playing or are you done? No, 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 no. I've I moved yeah. on. Yeah. Well, it's tech- I just it, wanted to see because everyone's posting things about. I didn't know. Hey, what look what is I did. Is that like a free app or like an yeah. app with purchase? No, it's a, yeah. it's a free app that'll okay. show you like 50 commercials in between. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not really free. No, it's yeah. not really free. It's yeah. costing you. So we'll see. Yeah. It's hot. It's hot out there. And oh, it'll be yeah. fading out by now. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're probably true, three or four true. weeks into this bomb of, yeah, Wordle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's everybody. Everybody's playing. doing Wordle. Nah, no, it's not the not latest everybody. distraction. Yeah. it's the they, latest. Oh, distraction. there you go. Bingo. Everybody needs there you go. maybe a distraction. Yeah. Too. yeah. I don't yeah. know. Well, we're excited about the uh, episode today. Oh, I am, I am and, definitely. Yes. Uh, welcome in our guest Diane uh, Langberg again. Uh, so I look forward to this conversation about redeeming power and that what that looks like in the life of Christ and the life mm-hmm. of, of us and, and humanity in, in general. So uh, Dr. Diane Langberg is globally recognized for her 47 years of clinical work with trauma victims. She's trained caregivers on uh, multiple continents uh, res- and responded to trauma and the abuse of power. She also directs her own counseling practice in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania. Uh, and she has multiple therapists and multiple specialties within that practice. Her newest book, Dr. Uh, Langberg's newest book is Redeeming Power, Understanding Authority and Abuse in Church. Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of have conversation uh, through that book today. But she is also the co-leader of the Global Trauma Recovery Institute housed at Biblical Theological Seminary. And she is on the board of Grace and also the co-chair for American Bible Society's Trauma Advisory Council. She's married, has two sons and four grandchildren. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. All the way from Jenkintown, Pennsylvania. All the way. <laughs> where where would you like to go if you went on the prices right? For vacation, you mean? Yes. Oh, 
either something uh, exotic with beaches and take all my kids and grandkids yeah. or something historical in Europe. Oh, yeah, very yes. good. That's good. Do, yeah. do a good trip. This will be yeah. good. Definitely. Have you considered Definitely. New Hampshire? <laughs> <laughs> You're a little bit further than Massachusetts, so it might be all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, thanks uh, for being with us and being on the uh, episode. Um, and just for our listeners that may not be um, completely familiar with your work, um, can you share a little bit about your story and, and journey with our listeners? Yes, I uh, started graduate school in, in psychology in the early 1970s um, and got a master's and went on to start a doctorate. I was the only female in that program because there were very few women in the field at that time. And I began working in order to pay my PhD bills <laughs> and seeing clients. And I... I Pretty much cut my teeth on Vietnam vets mm. and women who told me about abuse of some kind, though that was not a word that anybody used back then. Mm. And so I, I had a bunch of traumatized people that I was seeing, and there was no diagnostic category for that at the time. PTSD was not a category in the psychological world until 1980. Wow. And I started in 72. Wow. So it's not like there were books or anything. And I went to a supervisor about the women. Um, I was very distressed. I had a woman say something I didn't know would become familiar in my life, which was my father used to do weird things to me. Mm. Of course, turned out to be incest. And I went to the supervisor and was told that women sometimes tell hysterical stories and my job is not to get hooked by them. Otherwise, I will contribute to their pathology. Mm-hmm. So this probably tells you something about me. I quit talking to the supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And started really listening to the women and the soldiers and just said, look, there's there's nothing that teaches me how to help you. So you teach me what it's like to be you and we'll try and figure it out. Mm. And that's what happened about 50 years ago. <laughs> And you've been I'm in learning, there since. I'm, I'm still learning, <laughs> frankly, but you know, I've been learning ever since, and uh, obviously the field has changed uh, dramatically, mm. for which I'm grateful. Oh, you sure. know, there are many more help, helps, and aids for people who are struggling with different kinds of trauma. Mm. You recently wrote um, "Redeeming Power: um, Understanding uh, Authority and Abuse in the Church." What What is it that led you to write that book? The stories in my office Mm. about what was happening in places that had God's name on the door. Mm. Um, I thought, you know, I had people who had been abused in churches as children uh, or by a pastor or someone, people in leadership, uh, in Christian organizations abusing. it was quite a shock initially, you know, that was supposed to be the safe place. Mm. But the more I learned, the more I realized that God's people who are called by his name uh, are often not looking anything like him mm. and still getting famous and making money and selling books and doing all kinds of things. And so I wanted to speak to those issues 
uh, as a way of both exposing them and uh, calling the church to her rightful role. Mm. So what kind of, um, just as a sidebar, what kind of resistance did you get on the front end of that conversation when you started speaking into that and start, did you, were you received well or were you pushed back well, like in the 1970s or how, how do people respond to you? Uh, no, they did not receive it well. Mm. I mean, I had two strikes against me. One, I was female talking to the church. Mm. And two, I was turning the lights on things that everybody said wasn't happening and I shouldn't make up those things. Right. Mm. So, no, I, it was not received well at all, which I think to some degree that, that whole dynamic uh, is why we are where we are with newspapers and magazines and all kinds of things exposing uh, the abuse in places that many of us have revered. Mm. And it just seems to be snowballing. It's certainly not, I don't think it's reached its pinnacle yet. Mm. Um, so, so do you think that because of just as uh, so much press and especially, I mean, we're Southern Baptist by label as a church, um, but it is a, uh, you know, we went to the convention back in Nashville, Greg and I did. And so there's this whole conversation that they're having about different things. And um, there's a big article in Houston and, and just all the stuff that happened through there. And so you, you listen to this and, it's getting a lot of press. You know, my thought is it's always been there. It's just coming to the forefront. Or do you do you think it's 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 been the same throughout the years or is it or is it much more of a um, with greater frequency today um, than maybe in the past couple of decades? Or, or is it just because it's getting more press? Your thoughts on that? Um, I'm actually not sure of the answer. I mean, on one hand, yes, I think that people have been abused in churches forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> wherever human beings are, you find abuse. Right. Um, but whether it's been to the extent, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if you look back at situations like the Catholic Church, it's been going on for a really, really, really long time yeah. and known about. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true in the Protestant world as well. Um, it's also important to say that I know that there are places that are safe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I, um, I have been in safe churches myself and I know people who have been in and still are in safe churches. And so it, it's not like it's the whole thing. Right. Right. But I, I think that church uh, often breeds uh, self-protection. You know, this is who we are and we don't want anybody to take anything away from us about who we are. And it gives certain power, certainly to the leaders, but even to those who are members of it, gives them status. Um, so I think there are things that churches give, which in fact have nothing to do with Jesus Christ ultimately. Mm. Uh, that we are seduced by. So, and so to belong to a particular church or denomination or be under a particular pastor or whatever, those are the things that are good. Mm -hmm. But that's not why we're there. Right. You know, we're there to know and love and worship Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. 
um, my my father was a colonel in the Air Force. And uh, when he was in his early 40s, he had to retire because of a neurological disorder no one could diagnose. Hmm. And he dropped paratroopers over Normandy. He did air refueling. I mean, he, you know, so he, but he couldn't manage his body anymore. And I remember one time being home, I think, from the early years of college, and he needed a drink of water. So I was in the kitchen and I was coming back into the room where he was. And I saw him trying to get up out of the chair. And I just was silent and I watched and he couldn't do it. Mm. He was a superb athlete before. Mm. He could not stand up. Mm. And it went through my head at the time, which I now believe was God teaching me something, which was this, a body that does not follow its head is a very sick body. Mm. His brain knew how to stand up. Mm-hmm. His body did not follow. Mm. And so for me, that has become a picture of the church. You know, our head mm-hmm. is not abusive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our head does not grab power. Mm. He, he gave it away. Mm. Our head cares for the least of these. And he certainly turns on the light when his people don't do as he calls them to do. Mm-hmm. He did that twice in the temple and made a big racket. Mm. <laughs> That's our head. Yeah. We have been a body that does not follow our head, and that means we are very sick. Mm-hmm. So in the book, you kind of start off with the definition of power. Can you can you give a definition of what you mean by, by power? Um, sure, and it's important because I think most people are aware of the power. Other people have not their own. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you feel like you're small, smaller down the hierarchy kind of thing. But literally, the word just means to have influence. And at the beginning of the book, you know, the first example I give is, you know, young parents, you know, they go to the hospital, baby's born, baby can't do anything. They take this helpless baby back, feed it, put it to bed, they're exhausted, they go to bed, the baby cries, two grown-ups who are exhausted fly out of bed at three in the morning because the baby cried. That's power. <laughs> and so it's, true. it's, true. <laughs> it's, inher- it's inherent in human beings because it's part of the image of God in us. Mm. We have impact. Mm. We have influence. Is it on a scale? Some people have a whole lot. Some people have less. Sure. But we all have it. And we often don't think about that and are not conscious about where we have it, how we have it, and what it looks like to use it in a godly fashion. Mm. Yeah. It, what kind of hit me, and you've already mentioned a line just kind of going through the book, was when you gave the example of the temple and it came with all its glory, splendor, power feeling, structural mm-hmm. things like that. And uh, and you, you made the statement that, you know, we, we really weren't created for all that. We were created. It was purpose was for worship mm-hmm. and how power is it's a totally different picture. Or we try to live out authority in a different way created by culture and man than actually what. It really is. Lord Jesus, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've heard you say in an interview uh, how we look at leaders uh, anywhere, but especially in the church, and look at their successes and then say they must be a godly leader, right? Or mm-hmm. they must, uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, they must be a good shepherd uh, because yes. uh, of all those successes. And yet, and yet that might be measuring the wrong thing. Mm. 
often it is. Yeah. Yeah. And if something then comes to light, you can't expose it because of all those other good things, mm-hmm. which are numbers and fame and whatever else. And I, I've had more than one conversation like this, but recently had a conversation uh, where somebody was telling me about a pastor who had sexually abused multiple women throughout his career. And it's never been exposed. Mm. And they were talking about what it would look like to expose it, what it would, all those things. And they had talked to some other people who knew it had happened. And their response was, you can't do that. He's a godly man. Mm. And he's a godly man because he ran a really big church. Mm. And he's articulate. And he can quote scripture. But his character looked nothing like Jesus Christ. Mm. So we we confuse gifting for character. Mm. That's a They're big, not the same. No, no. They're very, very different. Um, for sure, for sure. You um you spend the last part of your book talking about redeeming power. Um what does that look like for us? And um and practically what does that look like for Christ followers and some systems and institutions, movements? Um and and maybe maybe redeeming power is rescuing power <laughs> in a way um in, in the church today. What does that look like just in, in your thought, in your words? Well, ultimately, the core answer, the short answer is that power then is only used in a way that looks like Christ. Mm. It's never used to exploit another, Mm -hmm. and it's never used to feed myself, Mm. which are the two things that we tend to do with power. Mm. We feed ourselves with fame or money or status or whatever. And we exploit others to keep us propped up like that. But again, you think, you know, Jesus said uh, at the end of his life, you know, (laughs) all power. Mm -hmm. He didn't make any exceptions. All power is given to me. Therefore, you go. Mm -hmm. So we go under his power. Right. Under his name. And I don't just mean that as a verbal thing, but under his character, looking like him. Which means sometimes we will have to crack whips and turn tables over in his house. Mm -hmm. Because it looks nothing like the God we're supposed to be there to worship. And certainly it looks like his pursuit to the least of these. Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to building up our own riches or whatever. You know, he bet, and we are, of course, ourselves part of the least of these. But he, you know, he bent to the sick, the contagious, the females, Mm -hmm. all those who are considered inferior um, by the church of that day. That's who he went to. Mm -hmm. So he is what power looks like. And he relinquished it for our sakes on the cross. Hmm. He was like someone who had no power. Of course, on a spiritual level, the power he had there and what he did is unspeakable. Sure, sure. But from the human standpoint, he he was like a man with no power. Power. You made a statement about uh, what we what we feed off of. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just evident the self-righteousness in us or the prideful desires that we we truly do feed off of the wrong the wrong substance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we we create a different picture of what that power is. And I, I, I think um I think it's in a book or a conversation you have with somebody else you talk about where we're eating the wrong meat. Yes. Yes. It's his body we're to feed on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His life, his characteristics. That's not what we're eating. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're wrapped up in the, the adoration of, of man. All, all people, yes. Right. Yeah. And, and we're feeding off that to fuel us, to drive us, to act like that, to want to be like that, to gain that or whatever. And I don't know, maybe in my own personal right, life right now, I'm just learning that the strength of weakness mm-hmm. is, is just, mm-hmm. it's, it, that's where it is. It's, but, but I have to go to that meat box and spend time <laughs> in there than I do over, you know, over here. Yeah. So. You talk about the, the you know, when you, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the, the character of Jesus and the human heart. And in that whole question or conversation, I think it's out of Mark 7, but um, it has to do with defilement and where it comes from. I think sometimes we don't realize where that comes from. And we are, um, you, you speak to that about where defilement really comes from uh, in, in humanity or in the human heart or in the human condition, I guess. Um, can you unpack that for us? Well, first of all, it comes from inside of us, not outside of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, often if something happens and somebody points it out in us, it's the other person that we, you know, I mean, rape is a classic example. You know, if she didn't wear the short skirt, I wouldn't have raped her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so Jesus is very clear that what comes out of a man comes from the heart of the man, mm-hmm. not the woman standing in front of him. <laughs> um and so it, it's in all of us. We are all deceived by ourselves, by the things that feed us. Um, and so that twists us up and gives us a lens for looking at what we do and who we are and what's around us that is based on a false view. It's based on being deceived myself, hmm. which leads to deceiving others as well. I, I think we are often very unaware of the level of deception in our lives. You know, hmm. the, the ordinary, I'm just going to do this one more time kind of statements that we make, which is a mountain of deception under it, and we're still continuing on to do that. Hmm. And, you know, the scriptures are very clear that God is light mm-hmm. and he's truth. There's not a deceitful thing in him. And so we defile ourselves and others by deception. And we don't look anything like him when we do that. Hmm. How, how would you challenge someone? I mean, we all have these hidden infrastructures in us that we, we deal with. And how, how would you challenge or encourage someone to look at within themselves of, of that hidden infrastructure and how to work that out? Well, I, self-examination is a tricky thing, though I think it's a very important one and we all need to do it. And I think it was much more part of a church uh, liturgy and stuff than it is now. 
a long time ago. But um, there are some questions even in the book that I put down about ways to look at yourself. I mean, we have all been affected, shaped by our families of origin. Right. And we know that to some degree, and we know it a little bit more over here and a little bit there, but we're also quite blind to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you just do it because that's how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so we don't examine those things. But, you know, let's say a a man grew up with a father who was full of rage all of his life. That rage has shaped that man. Mm -hmm. It may have shaped him in a way that makes him rageful, terrifying to his own family or whatever. It also may have shaped him to the point where he doesn't speak up when he should. Mm. It silenced him. And so I think we have to think back on our own histories and ways we've been shaped. I think we have to have people in our lives, you know, who poke us, you know, you're over the top here or you're not doing something or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And our immediate response is to defend ourselves, which tells us something. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think we need some safe people in our lives to help us do that. But we also need to do it ourselves. I, you know, how am I like what I grew up with that I told myself I'd never be? How <laughs> 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 uh, <not> true. <laughs> That's in everybody. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, the, the physical characteristics obviously show up from whoever our, our parents are. Mm-hmm. But so do all the other characteristics. Yeah. And we can't see clearly in another person unless we see clearly in ourselves. Years ago, I, mm. I was asked to consult with a board of elders in a church, and they were dealing with a man who was full of rage and very verbally and sometimes physically abusive to his wife. And she wanted to leave the marriage, and they had to make decisions about that, whatever. So in the course of the conversation, one of the elders said, well, you know, I think you might be taking her too seriously. I mean, you know, I get mad at my family. Well, they had a psychologist in the room who couldn't let that go. (laughs) I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, he screams at his wife. I scream at my children every day. And I said, well, part of the problem here is that you have okayed screaming in order to live with yourself. And now you're okaying that in another man who's doing terrible damage to his family. Mm-hmm. You need to go think about yourself before you can even assess this man properly. Mm. Yeah. It was really quiet in the room, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're just, we're just uh, recognizing where the darkness is. That's all. We're... we're <laughs> It is. It is this lifelong journey, though, of yes, of is. inviting the light into the darkness, mm-hmm. right? And yes. all of these hidden places and deceptions behind our defenses, uh, um, inviting inviting Jesus to continue His work in our life in all of those places, and that takes other people. Uh, but it is a lifelong uh, a lifelong walk. So think about this. Uh, we talk about inviting the light. I, I think the four of us know what that means. But from a practical standpoint, to anybody that's listening or anybody that's just processing that there is are dark places in everybody's life. But <clears throat> how do you how do you begin the process of inviting the light in? I mean, how do you? I mean, Jesus is the light, and and understanding that. But it is how do you 
What does that look like for us, just emotionally, mentally, spiritually? I mean, just any thoughts on that, just what it looks like to invite the light in, um, in a particular area of our life? Well, the the light tells the truth, Mm -hmm. but it also comes with love. Mm. I mean, the one who says, I am light, and says, I am truth, also says, I am love. Mm -hmm. So I think that has to be... um, and, and the places that we hide from or deceive ourselves about, we do in those places we do not feel loved because we won't let anybody in. Yeah. So there's a hunger in there for love in that space as well. So I think those things can be taught. I think it has to be done very carefully and a little bit by little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because some people will think that if they tell you something, then it's all better, which of course it isn't. <laughs> Just get over it. Come on. You notice it. And now what are you going to do? I, this is a, an, another family story that taught me a lesson. My grand, one of my grandmothers lived in the mountains of West Virginia in a little house on top of a hill. And I was spent some time with her one time and I was helping her with her laundry, which was in the cellar. Mm. Um, and you had to step down one, step and then the floor was dirt Mm. and so she asked me to go and do something in there and I said okay and I stepped down and turned on the light and I screamed (laughs) and she came because she knew exactly what had happened and she said to me honey if you turn the lights on the rats will run Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that has come back to me. <laughs> you you have some word pictures. <laughs> I do. I do. Stories. I actually know somebody who did a lot of that when he was here. <laughs> I think it's how people learn. Yeah, no, it's excellent. So you know, we don't want to see the rats, or we just avoid the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, and I, so part of that has to be taught. This is who we are. Mm-hmm. And this is what God has called us to. And oftentimes, I think it's helpful for people to start with, what's something you're he- hearing repetitively that you filed under complaining and don't listen to anymore? Mm-hmm. From a spouse or a child or a friend. Mm. And somehow they keep saying it. You wish they'd go away and stop. Mm. <laughs> they keep saying it because you're not listening. <laughs> Everyone's looking at you, Brian. I know. I know. <laughs> I feel like you're meddling now. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you're not getting out of this so easy. No, no. <laughs> hey, hey, don't turn the light on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, uh, I really love what you s- said about Jesus is light, mm-hmm. Jesus is truth, Jesus is love. In a sentimental way, but I mean, a real way, man, that j- just in that moment, that, that just warmed my soul and my spirit because there is so much deception. And, and I know even for me, like my, my word this year I'm looking at is just truth. Mm-hmm. And there's so many all throughout Scripture. There's so much. There's so many references to truth from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And and yet there are also we're also learning at this time how to be a son of a father. Mm hmm. And the love that that father brings. So in your statement there, I've got three things colliding here. It's a trinity. Yeah. I mean, seriously, light, truth, and love. Yeah. You think about it. I mean, it's uh, it's this perfect relationship, mm-hmm. you know, um, in that. Yeah. Well, and yes, he, he can't be separated from one. Mm-hmm. God is not God without one of those. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And he is truly the father in all of those, yeah. you know? So um, I love the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19, and, and I love what you do in the book with um, redeeming power and, and how it's transformed in terms of Zacchaeus and his transformation and how, how power changed for him. Um, we're talking about light shining in. We're talking about truth and we're talking about love and the aspect of how power is redeemed. Um, can you kind of j- just speak into that story just very briefly about um, that encounter that Zacchaeus had with Jesus and how power changed for him after his transformation? Well, I think, first of all, it's interesting that he, when Jesus came and was walking through, he pretty much disappeared. Hmm. And I know he couldn't see and he wanted to be up high and all that kind of stuff. But nobody liked him either. <laughs> Let's know, be honest. Oh, well, they didn't. No, true, true. They didn't like him and they didn't trust him. Yeah. And so even if he were tall, standing next to all those people probably would not have felt like a good idea. Mm. The other thing I find striking is, you know, Jesus says, come down, whatever, I'm going to your house. (laughs) He didn't say, may I please? He said, I'm going. And he went in and we have no idea what happened. Mm. I find that very interesting. Just that something transformative happened in there. We have no idea what it is. Mm. For whatever reason, he didn't let us know. But what he did let us know is that time with him transformed a man. Mm. He, he had no trappings in that interaction with Jesus. You know, he wasn't the big shot. He wasn't collecting the money. He wasn't, whatever, counting his money, whatever he did. He was just there as a man with the God of the universe, though I'm sure he didn't know that at first. <laughs> mm. But he came out transformed by that. And he not only, you know, he, if you think about the situation, he, he wanted to repay people that he cheated. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to do more than that. Mm-hmm. He wanted to bring restoration to lives. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you think about now in our country, the amount of hate, even in the church, frankly, and accusations and name calling and all of those things. We need to have Jesus say, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Mm. Need to spend some time. Because our response needs to be obviously uh, to be transformed in those ways. But that transformation in um, Zacchaeus caused him to use his power to do more for other people and restore things in them that had been destroyed. It's a two-part thing. Mm-hmm. But you think you know, about that transformation of the experience with Jesus and how it influences how you live out life and not about yourself, but others. I mean, it comes back to our conversation about the root of the Spirit in Galatians 5 and the harvest of the Spirit and these things that if you're with him, <clears throat> there is a transformation in you and you live, you act, you live, you influence differently. And because of that relationship that you have, and and yet we so desperately, I mean, that's such a necessity, you know, today in how we, I mean, how we do church, how we do life, how we do community, all those things. But it's, 
I love the way you had phrased the story, and and I've read that like a gazillion times, you know. But it just it 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 hit home for me of the the transformation of Christ in us, His work, and how it affects our leadership and influence and use of power. Which leads me to one more question, and then which is really. Um, We've talked a lot about leaders and what do we look for? I mean, you know, a lot of people say, (laughs) you know, they have a great following on Facebook or Twitter or or Instagram or they've written all this or they we saw this. We saw them do this talk and it was like so incredible. And so it's like all this stuff. Well, they're they're just a great leader. Um, What what should we be looking for in a leader? Character. Mm. Somebody can have all those other things, but do you see them truly humbly love people? Mm-hmm. Are they patient? How do they treat the people who work for them? Mm-hmm. Are they kind? No matter the status or lack of it, the race, the gender, the known or the stranger, are they kind? You see self-control. Or they just blow out their anger when somebody does something they don't want it, want done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fruit of the Spirit of Christ in us, basically, is what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. Patience. If those characteristics are not there, then what you're looking at is not a good leader. It may be a gifted person. maybe a very bright person. But they're not a good leader. Because those areas where we are not like him, we are wolf-like. Mm-hmm. It's almost like... Sheep and wolves. <laughs> no. But it's like character, to assess character takes time. Whereas to uh, assess somebody's notoriety, their writing, their mm. posts, their following mm-hmm. is something that can quickly be done. That's statistical. Um, that's qualitative, but what we're looking at is more quantitative in a person's, I mean, who they are and the character of who they are. And sometimes you have to observe for a while. Um, sometimes you see well, it right it, off the bat, but it's it's a deeper measure of life. Jesus gave the disciples and others uh, three years to just watch him. <laughs> I mean, really. That's true. Well, he like, could have come down here and said, you know, I'm the son of God. Here's what you need to think and do. Yeah. See you later. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it like that because it's we need to see it in the flesh. Mm. Now it's our turn mm-hmm. to be like him in the flesh. Oh, he sent us to do that, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a whole time. But for some people, it's like, yeah. I just need to tell you, tell you to believe and tell you, you know, it's like, no, yes. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. But much yeah. more to the story of belief, you know? Yeah. yeah. There, there's a book written by a pastor named Charles Jefferson from the early 1900s. People, my friends laugh at me because they say I like the old dead guys, but which I do. <laughs> but um, he wrote several books, but one of them is The Pastor and Shepherd. Mm. I frankly think every pastor ought to read it. So, you know, back to wolves and sheep and all that kind of thing. We'll go to Amazon quickly and buy it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I think it was written like in 1908 or something. He was a pastor in New York City. Um, But it it answers that question. If you want a good leader, what do you look for? That's what you look for. Mm. You look for someone who looks like the good shepherd. And that's what the journey of redeeming mm. power looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yes, it's taking power that got twisted by the enemy Mm -hmm. and us and and seeing it redeemed so it looks like Bishop. This is just a great conversation. Certainly um, will enable deeper dives in our own thoughts and reflections. But thank you so much for not only the work that you've done, and and there are multiple books out there that that you've written and and your practice. And um, just want to say thank you for taking the time to be with us. And how can uh, our listeners connect with the work that you're doing uh, in regards to reading or other things that you have out there? Just Google my name and my website will come up. <laughs> and, and, and I can attest to that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, it's Di- dianelangberg.com. And, yeah. you know, there's recommended books. There are my books. There are many video recordings of talks I've done on there that you yeah. can just listen to for free. Yeah. You're so, on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I am. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Followed you on there. Yeah. That's great. Good. Good. Well, thank, thank you so you. much for being here today with us. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. Yeah. I that, enjoyed the banter. Oh, <laughs> great. Oh, there you That's, go. Kind. That's kind. That's kind. We'll do it again next week, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do want to say thank you for joining us again on the Reimagine Podcast. As always, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, and download any of the episodes and rate them. Check us out on the reimaginecast.com website. So for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine Podcast. Reimagine.